0: What's up everybody, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I'm your host, Derek Womack, and you can follow the show at Dino Underground on Twitter. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And today we are going to be talking about some, some draft day values for your startup drafts. Um, I've been doing some mock drafts here and there. I did one a couple of nights ago uh, with, you know, some fantasy football people on Twitter. And it was super interesting to me, Um, mainly because of, like I've kind of been preaching, honestly, some of the late round value, um, especially at the wide receiver position. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it. Full disclosure, um I had the one oh five and I did go three running backs to start. And while I don't love I didn't end up loving uh my actual picks. I mean I liked the first one. I got obviously I got Alvin Kamara at the fifth overall. Um the second round the second round I was staring down Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, Leonard Fournette and Kenny Galladay now I know Kenny Galladay sounds like the smash the smash uh, you know selection there but I didn't I didn't go Kenny Galladay and I'll I'll tell you why just because there's some there are some wide receivers that I like almost just as much as Kenny Galladay that I knew were going to be there a little bit later I ended up going Leonard Fournette. I immediately kind of regretted it. I almost, I kind of wish I would have went um, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, maybe Jonathan Taylor. Even, I like Jonathan Taylor more, but CEH is going earlier. Um, I ended up going Fournette in the second, and I went Todd Gurley in the third. Now, I don't mind that core. Kamara, Fournette, and Gurley for 2020. But you fast forward a year from now, where's Fournette? Where's Gurley? I don't know. Um, It's very shaky after that. But, um, so in the fourth round, that's where I started hammering wide receivers. I got Allen Robinson in the fourth, Tyler Lockett in the fifth, Jarvis Landry in the sixth and Brandon Cooks in the seventh. Got Brandon Cooks in the seventh round. And I'm gonna lay out my case for him in a minute. I think I already have, but I mean you look at some of these other people, you know, they got so the guy right after me killed it. He he drafted his first two picks very similar to me, had I had the sixth pick. He drafted Dalvin Cook in the first and Miles Sanders in the second. I was really hoping Sanders would have fell to me in the second round. Would have changed the whole dynamic, but it didn't. But uh, he ended up going Juju in the third, which I don't mind. Um, The guy at the turn at the 112 double tapped Tyreek and Julio and then hammered Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, and James Conner in the fourth is a slam dunk for me, um, for 2020 at least. And then he he you know hedged a little bit and went DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. So he's got Bell, he's got Conner, two running backs that I'm a fan of for 2020. And then he went ahead and grabbed Swift and Dobbins. So he's got the rookies too at the next turn. So he actually he had a pretty solid start to his draft in my opinion. But here's why I prefer to go running back in the first in the first three rounds. Because while Leonard Fournette in the second and Todd Gurley in the third isn't sexy, I mean for 2020 it's fine. Leonard Fournette is likely an RB1. Alvin Kamara is likely an RB1. Todd Gurley, you know, I laid out the case on my Dynasty Buys and Sells. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I laid out the case for Todd Gurley on my Dynasty Buys and Sells episode as likely a back-end RB1. So, by my rankings, I've ended up, I've started my draft out with three RB1s and so I ended up getting Allen Robinson in the fourth I'm seeing on Twitter people posting about getting Julio Jones in the fourth round had I been able to get Julio Jones with this pick I would have been ecstatic I get why he's falling he's getting older right he's 31 but let's think let's think about Julio Jones this way and yes i'm considering if Julio Jones is in the 4th round if you're getting him in the 4th round that's a value i don't care if he's 31 like um Julian Edelman just had a wide receiver 1 season in full PPR at age 34 at age 34 Julian Edelman's putting up wide receiver 1 numbers Julian Edelman like, is not even on the same planet as Julio Jones from a talent level. They barely even play the same sport. <laughs> like, That's how much better Julio Jones is than Julian Edelman. And if Julian Edelman can put up wide receiver one numbers at 34 years old, then Julio Jones can put up wide receiver one numbers at 34 years old. And... That gives you three years of wide receiver one production. Not to mention he's in a position to destroy statistics this season. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons are first in the NFL in vacated targets. And it's not even close. I know some people don't like vacated targets. I personally do. Uh, it's not something I don't I don't see a player walk into vacated targets and immediately you know immediately move that player way up the rankings, but it is something I take into consideration. The Atlanta Falcons have two hundred and fifty eight vacated targets from Devonte Freeman, Austin Hooper, and Mohamed Sanu. Two hundred and fifty eight vacated targets from a year ago. The next closest is Dallas um, at 190. And that's, I mean, I've laid out the case why I like CeeDee Lamb at the one at the 1.05 in rookie drafts, because of all the vacated targets. To me, there is an opportunity for him to come in as a rookie and produce. But we're talking about the Falcons right now. Um, yeah, so the Falcons have 68 more vacated targets than the next closest team. Right? Um, Let's see. One, two, three, four. The Arizona Cardinals are fifth at 156 vacated targets. We're talking over 100. The Atlanta Falcons have 100 more vacated targets than fifth place in the NFL. And they did not add anybody of consequence outside of What, Hayden Hurst? Maybe. I like Hayden Hurst. I've laid out the case for him before. And Todd Gurley. Like I said, I like both of these players. But are they going to soak up 129 targets apiece? No. They're not getting 129 targets apiece. And maybe Atlanta throws the ball less. I don't think it's going to be anything significantly less if they do. So... Yeah, Julio Jones is set up to smash 2020 and be a wide receiver one for 3 years at least. If Julian Edelman can do it, Julio Jones can do it. So if he's going in the 4th round of startups, that's a value. That is big time value. If you I mean and if you don't if you're going into your dynasty startup and you are trying to plan you're trying to plan for year four you're trying you know and you don't want julio jones in the fourth year of your dynasty league because he'll be 35 well you're probably not going to be very competitive in that league for a long time because it's hard enough to project year over year you know from one year to the next i mean four years from now the fantasy football landscape is going to look completely different All new running backs, a lot of new wide receivers are gonna be in here. So I mean that's when I set out to do this values episode. I didn't plan on mentioning very many people from the fourth round. But if Julio Jones slips to the fourth round in your dynasty startup, you have to grab him there. Um Tyler Lockett, not bad. Let's see I got him as my wide receiver too. In the fifth round, um, that's after Stephon Diggs, after Ty Hilton, after DK Metcalf, after Adam Thielen. I mean, may, I mean, that's great value. I mean, maybe not great is the right word, but I mean, some of these players. Like I said Adam Thielen goes in the fourth round, the beginning of the fourth round. The dude, what? is 30 31 years old ty hilton is like 31 years old stefan diggs is changing teams tyler lockett's going after all those guys and so maybe great value isn't the right term because fifth round is still fairly early especially in a dynasty startup but if you're getting tyler lockett as your wide receiver too because you stacked three i mean three candidates to be rb1s with your first three picks that's a steal. Now here's where it gets interesting to me. Okay, so Will Fuller goes in the seventh, the first pick in the seventh round. Jerry Judy goes with the third pick in the seventh round. I get Brandon Cooks at 7.05. Brandon Cooks is my wide receiver four on this team. Assuming Brandon Cooks plays all 16 games, which... If I'm investing seventh round capital in him, that doesn't seem, I mean, I don't need him to. I think he probably will, but if Brandon Cooks plays all 16 games, he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver. And I got him in the seventh round. So when you're doing your dynasty startups, you know, and maybe you don't like my first three picks. You know what, I'm not too crazy about him either outside of Alvin Kamara. But you need to be targeting Brandon Cooks in the 7th round. I mean, he he steps into a spot where DeAndre Hopkins leaves. I mean, a wide receiver who perennially has, I mean, what, a 30% market share of his team's targets? And I'm not saying Brandon Cooks is going to get all of those DeAndre Hopkins targets. But he's going to get a big chunk. And he's a great wide receiver. And I don't I don't take that word lightly. We're talking about a player. I mean, we, we all know how much players struggle going from different teams um you know on a year to year basis. Brendan Cooks has a thousand yards with the Saints, gets traded to the Patriots, has a thousand yards, gets traded to the Rams, has a thousand yards. This dude is so underrated. I don't know what he has to do to gain respect. And now he goes to a team with a great quarterback and a great opportunity to vacuum up targets. So no matter how you start your draft out, you need to plan for Brandon Cooks in the middle of the seventh round. Don't plan on taking a tight end there. I got Hunter Henry in the eighth round. I mean, Hunter Henry is going to be a fine tight end. He's not going to be a league winner by any means, but I mean, if you're not taking you know one of the big three or four guys in the first couple of rounds, getting Hunter Henry, you know, part of that next tier down at the eighth is pretty good consolation. So, yeah, my my advice would be to target Brandon Cooks in the seventh round, if that's where he's going to fall because he's a locked in even if he even if he ends up getting hurt and misses some games and doesn't technically finish as a wide receiver too you're going to get wide receiver 1 weeks you're going to get wide receiver 2 weeks from your 7th round pick that's why you go running back early because look at some of the running backs in this range um let's let's see let's scroll Keyshawn Vaughn, who I like, yeah. Mark Ingram, Sony Michelle, On Johnson, Alexander Madison, Marlon Mack, Raheem Mostert. They're, okay, there's some guys with some upside, sure. But who would you rather have? Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks or Raheem Mostert and Emmanuel Sanders? It's Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks. Um, I mean, Darius Slayton goes one pick after. Henry Ruggs goes one pick after that. Justin Jefferson goes one pick after that. These are guys we don't know anything about. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I like these players. I like Slayton. I'm rising on Rugs. I love Justin Jefferson. But we're talking about a guaranteed wide receiver two here and Brandon Cooks at the worst. I mean... If he plays all 16 games, he's pushing what? Top 16, 17 numbers? I, mean, I don't know why he wouldn't. He does every year that he's healthy. Let's scroll down to the 8th round. Uh, some of my favorite picks from this round. Darius Geis. Love Darius Geis, especially in the 8th round. He has not fallen that far due to, due to poor performance. He's fallen that far just because he hasn't been on the field. And everybody's injury-prone until they're not, right? Keenan Allen was injury-prone until he wasn't. Frank Gore was injury-prone until he wasn't. At this point in the eighth round, you're not risking anything by drafting Darius Geis. I mean, this is a guy with upside to give you running back one weeks. Running back two is his floor, and you're getting him in the eighth round. And assuming he's as talented as we all think he is, he's got a chance to be a back-end RB1, and you're getting that in the eighth round. And if he doesn't finish as the RB1, you're going to get the occasional RB1 week. And, I mean, we're talking about a guy who, was going to be sitting on your bench as your RB3 or 4? In this particular case, he goes Jonathan Taylor in the fourth round, which I love, <laughs> Keyshawn Vaughn in the sixth, and Darius Guyes in the eighth, so he's got Darius Guyes as his running back three. Um, Deshaun Watson goes two picks before that. Now, usually I'm an advocate for late round quarterback, but I mean Deshaun Watson in the eighth round. I mean Josh Allen went in the fifth, and this is a this is a single quarterback league. Josh Allen goes in the fifth. Russell Wilson goes in the seventh. Dak in the fifth. Kyler in the fourth. Patrick Mahomes in the third, Lamar Jackson in the third. So all those players are going before Deshaun Watson. And don't get me wrong, I I moved Deshaun Watson down my rankings when he lost DeAndre Hopkins. But I moved him back up whenever they got Brandon Cooks. And I mean I'm hopeful that David Johnson. I mean, let's not forget David Johnson was. A top ten fantasy running back before he got injured last year. I know we've all seen the clip of him, you know, taking the hand off, running straight towards the sideline at about the speed of smell, and getting tackled. But he's still a capable pass catcher. I mean, this is a guy who played wide receiver in college. Deshaun Watson, while he doesn't have, in my opinion, the number one, most talented nfl wide receiver anymore he does have some talent around him he does have some talented pass catchers around him and getting him in the eighth round with all these other guys going ahead of him i mean that's not bad value right there now here's where i start really liking some of this value the ninth round we got mike williams and john brown these two were, Mike, I mean, Mike Williams has been pretty good the last two years. John Brown was awesome last year. And they're going in the ninth round of these startups. I mean, if I knew John Brown and Mike Williams were going to go this late, I might have hammered another running back, honestly, earlier before this. Um, oh, obviously my favorite ninth round pick of all time I do it like every year it seems like Marvin Jones and every time I mention Marvin Jones name people kind of they 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 kind of squint their eyes a little bit they give me a shoulder shrug like I don't know you know I mean he's Marvin Jones it's nothing special I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that I mean especially let's whatever I' Whenever I read these statistics out, let's keep in mind that this is the ninth round we're talking about, okay? The ninth round of a dynasty startup. Last year, he was averaging just over four catches per game. That's not great. I get it. But we're talking about the ninth round here, and he was on pace for 900 receiving yards. Okay, we're talking about my wide receiver five on this team, and I didn't even go wide receiver early. I didn't go wide receiver to the fourth round. And, I mean, it's, it's conceivable that my fifth wide receiver is going to catch 900 yards. This dude had nine touchdowns last year in 14 games. He was the wide receiver 28 on the season, and he only played 14 games. This dude was a top 20 wide receiver before he got hurt. And he's still going in the ninth round. I get it. He's old. He's not going to accrue value. I mean, he's not going to be worth more next year, at this time next year, than he is right now, even if he comes out and has a good season. But, I mean, why not? Why do you not want to win this year? I know some people really like to draft young, you know, punt the present to have a good future. But we're talking about the ninth round here. You know, there's no reason to not just take that player. You know, what if you do, you take, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the second and you take Joe Mixon, you take, you start your draft out. Let's say you start your draft out with Joe Mixon, in the first, Miles Sanders in the second, Alan Robinson in the third. Let's say you take him a round earlier than I got him. That's a pretty good core. It's young. You can get DJ Moore at the four two. So judging by this draft, you know, the one eleven spot could have started Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore. Okay, he got DJ Chark in the fifth. So you're you're rolling out a lineup. Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, DJ Chark. That is young. That's not just young. That's high upside. So yeah, you're set up for the future and you're set up for the present. So you go ahead and you grab Marvin Jones in the ninth round, a likely wide receiver too. In the ninth round, well, now you're set up. Now you're set up. Like That just helps your cause to win this year. And you know what? If he doesn't go out and post 900 yards and nine touchdowns, if he posts 600 yards and five touchdowns and you can't play him, like I said, it's the ninth round. Who else are you getting in the ninth round that you're going to play? Not I mean, not very many people. Jordan Howard, maybe. I can see the upside. James White, maybe. Zach Moss, maybe. Um, some of the rookies, sure. if you, But, I mean, this dude has legit... I, if he plays all 16 games, like Brandon Cooks, these guys are going to finish as wide receiver twos, and they're going in the 7th, 8th, ninth rounds. Um, so let's jump over to... The 10th round, um, Hayden Hurst goes in the 10th round here. Um, Darrell Henderson, I honestly don't hate Darrell Henderson going in the 10th. He went, I think, five rounds behind Cam Akers in this draft. And there's nothing, I, I've seen nothing to, I'm not saying it's not out there, but I've seen nothing to deter my thought process of thinking it's gonna be a pretty even timeshare for the Rams. And if you're getting one of those players five rounds later, to me it's it's Henderson, not over acres, but Henderson at his draft cost over acres at his. And don't get me wrong, I was you know, I was a Cam Acres guy, but you know, I wanted him to land, you know, in a better spot um Preston Williams goes in the 10th round. That's another great wide receiver pick. I didn't get him. I wish I would have. Um yeah, Preston Williams goes at the 10.09. And that I mean that's another one. You want to if you want to punt the future or you want to punt the president to build for the future, just build a young team. Preston Williams is going in the 10th round. You can get young high upside players, wide receivers at least late. So don't just go into this thing. You know, let, let's rewind, let's do that exercise. You start out you know, Joe Mixon and Miles Sanders the first two rounds and then you grab Allen Robinson in the third and Julio Jones. If Julio Jones is sitting there like we talked about in the fourth, I mean, you you grab Julio Jones with the mindset of realizing that Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones, Preston Williams, you know, Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker, Keenan Allen, you know, you grab Julio in the fourth because you know these other guys are still out there. Yeah, Julio's older, but you can get plenty of young productive wide receivers later in the draft you don't have to take a young wide receiver early you don't have to pass on you know Julio Jones for a DK Metcalf just because DK Metcalf is what 8 years younger or something um let's see the 11th round Joshua, Joshua Kelly didn't go until the twelfth round. I've laid out, you know, my case for Joshua Kelly a little bit. I think he's got a clear path to touches. Um, I don't know what to expect from him production wise. I don't think they're going to give Austin Eckler twenty touches a game. I think Joshua Kelly, for sure, is going to get, you know, get some opportunity, and snagging him in the twelfth round. That is a great, no risk high upside play because all he has to do now, he's going to get some opportunity. He was the Chargers third player they selected in the draft. I know he was a fourth round pick, which doesn't bode well, but he was the third player they drafted. And, you know, he feels maybe some people don't consider it a need because Austin Eckler was so good last year. But I think it's pretty clear the Chargers think it's a need Due to the fact, you know that as soon as Melvin Gordon came back last year, and I know Melvin Gordon's great, but you know Austin Eckler was playing lights out, and as soon as Melvin Gordon came back, you know he stepped into some major touches, and then he leaves. They let him walk in free agency. They used their third pick in the draft on another running back, you know, a bigger guy than Austin Eckler. Um, like I said, all I'm saying is the opportunity for touches is going to be there. Even if it's not a 50-50 split, all Joshua Kelly has to do is go out there and be efficient. If he is as good as I think he can be, well then, yeah, that touch squeeze is going to even out a little bit if he's productive. And I mean, like I said, we're talking about the 12th round here. That's pretty. That's pretty That's impressive. Um, pretty impressive value. And then really the last guy that I really liked. Okay, that's not true. There's two more guys I really liked. Um, I I mean, you know, some of the rookies are going in here. I didn't want to bring up the rookies just because, I mean, mean, they're obviously question marks. But, you know, some of these guys are going in the ninth. You know, I brought up some of them going in the seventh round. Um, That's fine. They're going to be sprinkled in there. Um so the 13th round Curtis Samuel goes. Now, I don't love Curtis Samuel, you know, with the as a standalone player. I think yeah, I think he could be productive. You know, I definitely see a world where he produces some wide receiver 2 weeks. Like I said, even if he doesn't finish as a wide receiver 2. I mean, you're getting a player in the 13th round that has the has the ability, has the big play ability for sure to put up some wide receiver two weeks. And like I said, I've laid it out before, but in case you didn't listen to that episode, if I I think Curtis Samuel is not only a player that can give you some wide receiver two weeks, but is also he's like a dual handcuff. I think if anything, you know, if DJ Moore gets hurt, I think Samuel comes in. And just slots basically right in there and takes pretty much all of the targets DJ Moore was getting. And I think if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, I'm not saying Curtis Samuel is going to get all the touches McCaffrey is getting because I don't believe that. But I believe he's going to be much more involved in the game plan because this is a dude that is great with the ball in his hands. He's super fast. Um, he played a lot of running back in college he knows the position if anything happens to dj Moore or um, christian mccaffrey curtis samuel's touches are going to go way up and he went in the 13th round of this draft that's a league winner especially if they decide to move him to running back for a majority of the time, and he's getting 10 plus touches per game, then yeah, that's a league winner in the 13th round, especially if you know you hit as long as you don't bust on your early picks. You know, if you do your startup and you take Curtis Samuel in the 13th round, and anything happens to Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore. I mean, he I mean he's got a chance to really help you make a push. And the last really pick that I absolutely loved was in the fifteenth round, Anthony Miller. Um he was a good prospect coming out. A lot of people liked him. Um he ended up going to the Bears. He Played pretty well as a rookie. I think he caught seven touchdowns as a rookie with the Bears. Um, Finished, you know, had a pretty awesome second half of the year last year. And the Bears did not do anything to add target competition other than add 15 tight ends for some reason. Um, There's going to be plenty of opportunity for targets for Anthony Miller. As far as I'm concerned, they don't have a tight end of consequence. Yeah, they have Jimmy Graham, but he's not the New Orleans Saints Jimmy Graham. He's not even the Seattle Seahawks Jimmy Graham anymore. And then they have, you know, the Adam Shaheens and the Cole Kmetz, who, I mean, he's a rookie. But as of, as of right now, and there's not much in the way of target competition for anthony miller outside of alan robinson and the running backs but like i said in the 15th round i mean anthony miller has all every opportunity in the world to come in and give you some production and if you're starting you know if, if you get startable weeks out of a 15th round pick. Like I said, especially if you hit on and what is he? He's going into his third year also. So this dude is still pretty stinking young. Like I said, as long as you if you don't bust your early picks, and that's kind of that's kind of, you know, a, becoming a pretty popular strategy is minimizing risk with your first few picks and then trying to hammer upside later. And that's kind of what I did. You know, Alvin Kamara, obviously a great a great running back. Leonard Fournette, there's nothing sexy about it. I understand. But you know, and I'm assuming he he had almost 1700 yards last year. I'm assuming he's not going to have 1700 yards this year. But he should also have more than 3 touchdowns. So, you know, I mean, there's no they didn't do anything really to add competition for carries for Fournette. I know they added Chris Thompson. Um like I said, the yards come down a little bit, the touchdowns go up a little bit, Fortnite's still a back end RB one. Same thing for Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was the RB twelve last year in a pretty a pretty gross offense. Now he goes to Atlanta. You know, great quarterback. Some great weapons at wide receiver. Um, And they drafted two offensive linemen in the first round in 2019. So that's another year for them to develop. And like I said with the vacated targets earlier, they lead the league by a wide margin in vacated targets. There's going to be opportunity for Todd Gurley to catch the ball. I mean, I even if he is not a back end RB1 he's a high end RB2 so like i said they're not sexy picks but when you're when you're starting your draft with guaranteed running back production and then you get a safe player like Allen Robinson you get a safe player like Jarvis Landry well then you can start hammering these upside you know the Brandon Cooks with a great opportunity to produce. The Marvin Jones, you know, I read his numbers from last year. The Preston Williams, the Anthony Millers, the Curtis Samuels, you know, Mike Williams, John Brown going in the ninth round of this thing. And not all these guys are gonna hit, I get it. But if if two of those guys are giving you and I think two of them obviously will with Brandon Cooks and Marvin Jones. But if two of those guys are giving you multiple wide receiver two weeks and you locked in that production that early production at running back then you're set up to have a competitive team. And you know, I would have loved to came on here to talk about draft values and been like oh, you know, um, DeAndre Hopkins fell to the third round. That's a good value. Like, I mean, I felt like the Julio Jones in the fourth is pretty sexy, even though he's 31 years old. But, like I said, we're we're not really looking for high floor players in the back half of this draft. We're looking for high ceiling players. And that's what these players, especially these wide receivers, offer. And I mean, and that's kind of you know my reasoning for hammering running back early, even bypassing a player like Kenny Galladay in the second round. Don't get me wrong, I love Kenny Galladay. Um, I think he's going to be a perennial productive wide receiver. Back in wide receiver one, I get it, but. the the advantage of having a back-end wide receiver 1, I mean, the advantage of having a wide receiver 1 over a wide receiver 2 is not the same. It's not even close as having an RB1 compared to an RB2. So, let's say I'm right in my projections, and I get... Let's, let's say I'm not right. Let's just go by consensus and say I have two RB1s on this team plus a high-end RB2 in Todd Gurley. And then I go Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett, Jarvis Landry. Three guys who almost assuredly will be wide receiver twos. So... I mean, me having the advantage, I'm gonna have. So if I play the team, you know, the, the vice versa of that, that has a handful of RB twos and a couple of wide receiver ones, I'm always gonna have the advantage. I might lose that matchup, but a majority out of the, the majority of the time, I'm winning that matchup because I have the the more, you know, the harder to replace assets in the running backs. And then, not like, like I said, not to mention all of these wide receivers that I ran through in the back half of this draft. So, yeah, you know, these guys are hammering um, Keenan Allen in the fifth, Marquise Brown in the sixth, Adam Thielen in the fourth, um, even like I said, even me, you know, I went Jarvis Landry in the sixth. I mean, you you go three rounds after those guys, and you have John Brown, Mike Williams, Preston Williams, Marvin Jones. You know, these are three plus rounds behind those guys, and they're all going to be fairly close, likely, in total points scored. Close enough that it's not going to make much of a difference on a week to week basis, not like these running backs. you know you mean, think about the difference in Keenan Allen and uh you know John Brown or Mike Williams like Mike Williams is perfect. Let's think about the difference in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams because they're on the same team. they have the same question marks. Keenan Allen went four rounds ahead of Mike Williams in this draft. He could have had, instead of going Keenan Allen in the fifth round, let's see, where's he at? Where's Keenan Allen? Okay, instead of going Keenan Allen in the fifth round, he could have went um, Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert. He could have got... One of these other running backs with a higher upside and guaranteed touches, and then went Mike Williams in the ninth instead. And that's kind of where I mean that's where it's at. Now I'm not gonna I'm not saying that every draft I do, no matter where my draft slot is, I'm going to start three wide receiver three running backs. But I'm gonna try. I'm honestly you know. Like whenever I was looking at Kenny Galladay, I felt like it would be smart. It would be the you know more social. You know, it would be the more accepted pick to make. You know going Kenny Galladay. But I was looking at the wide receivers available, and there were still a ton of wide receivers that I liked. You know like the guys I took. Robert Woods was still on the board. Calvin Ridley was still on the board. DJ Moore, DJ Chark was still on the board. So there was no reason for me to go wide receiver there when there were still a bunch of wide receivers that I liked. And these running backs, they dry up so fast. Um, That's going to do it for today's episode. Like I said, any questions, comments, hit me up on Twitter. Um, You can follow the show at, at Dino Underground on Twitter. I'm your host, Derek Womack. And as always, thanks for listening.